Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this Wednesday evening, December 9th, 2020. And just so thankful to be here. Why don't you just wave to one of your neighbors, tell them hi. Hi. We're so happy to see each other and be in the house of the Lord together. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the... Uh oh. Uh oh. This is. Is it Devin? No, but it's the doctor. Hold on one second. Hold on. One second. Hello? Oh no. Perfect timing. Oh. No, that's okay. That's okay. Oh. Oh, me? Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you. Love you too. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Got to answer when Dr. Beth calls, right? Um, this, that was my mom. She called me. I'm speaking tonight on <laughs> answering God's call. That's right. Actually, I got you. Actually, I, I'm speaking specifically on accepting God's call. I normally would never accept my phone while I was speaking up here, just so you all know. <laughs> I thought maybe you would know. And I didn't lie, because she is a doctor. So, <laughs> it is always important. But, <laughs> no, it's true. When God calls, I will answer. <laughs> Let me, I want to ask you a question. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Have you ever had trouble accepting something? So maybe it's the bill you received in the mail. You're like, well, this wasn't right. Or maybe you had a trouble accepting a call that the umpire made in a game. Anybody ever been there? Bad call. Trying very difficult to accept it. Maybe maybe you got you couldn't accept a decision that someone made. Maybe your boss made a decision and you thought, man. Worst decision. Yes. A judge's decision. A judge's decision is difficult to accept it, right? Yeah. Have you ever had trouble accepting a gift that someone has given to you? Yeah. Anyone ever given you a gift? You're like, uh, I can't accept this, or maybe I can. Uh, what about phone call? How many of you always accept your phone calls? I know. No. <laughs> no. Some people. Um, uh, have you ever not accepted a job that you paid someone for? Maybe you told them to come and do something and they didn't do it right and you just could not accept it. Ever been there? Um, anyone couldn't accept a rule that was created? Thought, this is a dumb rule. I can't accept it. Sorry. Staying home. Staying home. Okay, yeah, staying home. There's some things you just can't accept. What about sometimes it's very difficult to accept the loss of something in your life, something something being stolen or someone being taken away from you. It's it's very difficult to accept that when it happens. Or it could be just a certain situation that's taking place in your life. And I think it's safe to say that we all have had trouble at some point accepting some things that happen in life, especially when those things or events are inconvenient or hurtful to us. They don't align with the they don't align with the way we think it should be. What, how do you respond when you can't accept something? LOL. LOL? <laughs> do you try to barter with someone? Like if you, if you, you know, if someone tells you, hey, this costs $15, you say, I can't, mm, $10. You know, you ever done that? Um, do you explain your reasoning and demand for a different outcome? Yes. <laughs> do you shrug your shoulders and say, fine, whatever? 
but you still harbor some resentment inside when things don't go the way you accept them or want them to? Do you complain? I know I can fall into that category when things don't go the way I don't like it. One, one way I know that I have not accepted the outcome is my, my mouth will keep complaining about it because I just can't get over this situation. Or are you someone who takes action to make things right when things don't go the way they should? Or some people like to just avoid it all together. Let it, it will sort itself out, right? Amen. <laughs> but what happens when we, as Christians, struggle to accept what God is doing? What God has decided to take place? Or what God allows to happen? And the reason why I wanted to focus on this idea of accepting God's call is, funny enough, in December of 2019, I usually, every year, I feel like God gives me a word. Just a word that I can meditate on, focus on for the coming year. And December 31st, 2019, I felt like God gave me the word accept. And it was really strange to me because I always see accept or acceptance as kind of like a bad word. You know, like accepting what's less for me or compromise or something like that. So I just said, okay, God. And I thought, okay, I don't know what this word means, but uh, I'm going to meditate on it in the year 2020. And I have found that over the year, God has been teaching me, and I'm still learning about some three things that I really have to learn how to accept in being a Christian and following the call of God on my life. The first one is accepting God's sovereignty and his choices that he makes for my life. Because he does make certain choices. I've given him that control, being a child of God, follower of Christ. The second is accepting who God has called me to be, the person that I am. And three, which might seem surprising, but it's accepting God's love for me, which can sometimes be very challenging for us. So I want to talk, the first one is accepting God's sovereignty. And I think there's multiple ways to look at the call of God. Because it's not just that God has a personal call for each of our lives, but he also gets to make the calls a lot of times in bigger frames of the pictures. So um, just like we hear bosses say, the boss will make the call, or the boss will make the final call, or uh, parents, presidents, teachers, leaders, they make the final call sometimes. Or, hus or husbands make the final call. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah, there you go, yes. <laughs> so I, I did a little bit of research on this word except in the Hebrew. And it actually comes from the root word nasa, which is to lift, bear up, carry, or take. So that word except is like picking it up, lifting it up, accepting it, right? That's the root word that it comes from, literally and figuratively. And the word accepted comes from that word, word, root word, the Hebrew word seyeth, which means elevation, exaltation, dignity, swelling, and uprising. Anyone know when the first time that word accepted is mentioned in the Bible? Not Eve, but her son. So in a conversation that God has with Cain in the New Testament, um, we find that Adam and Eve had a son. His name was Cain. And in the process of time, I'm going to begin at uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, if you want to turn with me, because I feel like this gives us insight not only into the character of God, but into the character of us as human beings. 
So in verse 3 it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So when Cain was not, his sacrifice was not accepted, what did he do? He got mad, right? He got upset. And God, in his loving and kindness, he comes to a Cain, and he says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Will you not say it? Right? The, the Hebrew word. You will, will you not be elevated in my sight? And if thou doest and if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And then we find that Cain does the, the terrible act of killing his brother Abel out of jealousy, out of spite, out of anger. And when God comes to him and tells him, you are going to be cursed from the earth. Um, you are, you're, because of your blood, brother's blood on your hands, you will till the ground. You'll be a vagabond. In verse 13, Cain says this. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can nassah, greater than I can bear, greater than I can accept. That's the same word of this word accept. And I was looking into this idea of this encounter between God and Cain. And really what it comes down to is Cain didn't like the way God established things. He didn't like the way he set it up. He wanted it to be where he could bring whatever he wanted to the altar. God would accept it. He could bring whatever offering that he wanted and he wanted God to be okay with it. And the truth of the matter is, is that we don't get to choose what God establishes in his plan. And that, that becomes very difficult for our 21st century culture because we want to live in a place where everything goes, where I can choose my own gender, where I can choose my own race, where I can choose anything that I want. I don't want any established rules. And so when that happens, we get angry. We get angry and we get upset. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of people have a hard time accepting God's commandments, accepting God's uh, plan. Yes? Right, and, and, and I know that God, he loves us no matter what, but this idea of sin and not wanting to follow his commandments, it, it doesn't line up with scripture. And it's not that God wanted to reject Cain. In fact, he came to him, I think, in a very loving way that said, hey, don't you know that if you just, if you just go and get the offering that I require, you will be elevated, you will be accepted by me. And it was very interesting to me because when the year 2020 rolled around, and things started happening, come pandemic, come election, I had to get to a point because I was getting kind of frustrated. Honestly, frustrated in, try, in trying to accept what was happening. Everything that's happened this year has been a struggle. Accepting what's been happening has been a struggle. 
And I listened to a message by Brother Haney. I listened to, to many messages and just being encouraged along the way. But one thing God spoke to me and said, you know, Corey, whether you like it or not, you have got to accept what my plan is, what I am choosing to do. It's accepting the sovereignty of God. Now, I do believe that God has called us to pray, pray for what? His kingdom come, his will to be done. But sometimes, and we, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, it doesn't always look the way that we want it to. Right. His ways are higher than our ways. And, and sometimes if we refuse to accept what is happening, we lose that peace. Sister, Sister Marlene spoke about peace last week. And I thought sometimes, you know, one of the reasons when I lose peace is when I am wrestling with what God is doing. And sometimes it is good to say, God, I accept your will be done in this situation, what you desire. And I think the moment we say, God, you're in charge. I accept that you're in control. I accept your plan for the way things are going and what you ask of me. We actually can receive so much acceptance from God. He's like, he loves that. He loves that and it's part of being his child. So that's the first lesson that I am still learning, right? Every time something pops up and I think, God, I don't understand what's going on here. You know, but if this is part of your plan, I want it to happen. But I'm praying for this, this, and this to happen. But nonetheless, thy will be done, your kingdom come. The second lesson, and probably the one that I have struggled with the most this year, is accepting who God has created and called me to be. Um, the second lesson about accepting God's call has to do with accepting who God has created us to be. So first, we have to first believe in him. We have to go against all that, that doubt, that unbelief, that uh, even rebellion to an extent, that part of us that just doesn't want to fall in line with God's commandments. But then there's another part of it that I think we wrestle with sometimes in accepting God's call, and that's accepting ourselves. Now, I'm not exactly saying accepting our sin, but accepting that God has created us all very differently, right? Everybody, everybody agree we're all pretty different? We're all pretty different, right? We sometimes can't, it's hard to accept where we come from. It's hard to accept the families that we were born into, the situations in life that we've been born into, maybe a disability that we have, uh, a limitation on us. I can't draw, like, at all. You know, and sometimes I think, oh, I wish I could draw. I wish I could be artistic. God could use me to, I don't know, to, to paint the gospel or something, you know, I, I just, I, something, but it's not there. And so I, I've accepted that side of things. I can, I can color in coloring books. But um, in fact, our, our world is actually in, in a bit of a crisis about this idea of accepting our, uh, ourselves. And one of the things sometimes we can't accept like I mentioned before, is either our race, our nationality, our gender, identity, our intellect, our talent. We struggle. We struggle with maybe how we look. Basically, everything God has created us to be. Um, this time last year, I had the opportunity to go to a personality conference in, in um, Phoenix. And I sat there and... I'm going to be honest with you, I cried in the middle of a personality conference with a bunch of people I didn't know because they started talking about this idea of accepting who you are. And I guess there is something uneasy about that to me because I think, well, we, we can't accept where we are. We have to get better and better and better and better until we're finally perfected, right? That, that's the idea. 
But they said, no, no, no. You have to accept that God has made you differently and that he's got a specific plan for you. And I, I just wrestled with that sometimes. Like, God, you know, why did, I, why did you choose this path for me? Or, or why am I like this? Why? <laughs> why am I like this? And God um, brought the story of Moses to my mind. And uh, Moses brings a lot of encouragement to my life because he shows me just how human we are. So Moses, Moses answered the call, but he had a really hard time accepting it. When he saw the burning bush in the wilderness, the Bible says in Exodus verses, or chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, it says, uh, someone want to read it for me? Right, you want to read it for me? Okay. Yes, <laughs> three through four. Now Moses, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and the, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And then verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he, and he said, here am I. So Moses has this encounter where he sees a bush burning, but it's not being consumed. And he's curious. And then he hears the voice of God. And God calls out his name, just like God calls our name. Every day he's calling us, right? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And here Moses says, here I am. I, he, he's answering the call. And God's reply is simply, you know, do not draw near. Take off your sandals. I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, I've seen the oppression of my people. I've heard their cry in the land of Egypt. And guess what, Moses? I've chosen you to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And what does Moses say in reply? So in Exodus 3, 10 through 11, the Lord says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So Moses' first reply is, I don't know if I can accept this God because I'm nobody. I, I don't know how I could be the one that you have chosen to be part of this plan of yours. But God's reply is, I will be with you, Moses. I've got a sign for you. When you come out of the land of Egypt, you're going to come back to this mountain and you're going to worship me. But guess what Moses says again in Exodus 3.13? Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? And God's reply says, you can tell them I am that I am has sent you. And then Moses answers and says, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So Moses' next line of defense is, um, what if I, what if they just like don't accept what I do or say, right? And, and, uh, have we ever had that before? God's asked you to do something and your first thought is what are people going to think of me? <laughs> how am, how am I going to make this work? Like it's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like when God wants me to maybe reach out, step out of my comfort zone and maybe talk to someone about God. My first reaction is, oh my goodness, what are they going to think of me, right? Like, it's that kind of nervousness of, of, of you want to be accepted by these people. 
but uh, you're kind of concerned. Um, so God's reply is, hey, Moses, what's in your hand, right? That's how God replies. He says, what's in your hand? And Moses says, it's a rod. And he says, well, now I want you to put that rod on the ground. And when that rod goes on the ground, it turns into a snake. And then when Moses pick his, picks it back up, it turns back into a rod. And then he says, okay, Moses, I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it inside your jacket. And then what happens was he takes it outside of his jacket. It's leprous, right? Then God says, I want you to put that back in your jacket. And he puts it back in and the leprosy is gone. So God's response is, hey, I, I can do miracle signs and wonders whether I use you or not, right? So don't worry about that. Don't worry about what people think of you because this is about me and not so much about you. But guess what Moses says after that? He says in verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the next excuse, the next reason to not accept this call is I'm just not talented enough. I'm just not eloquent enough, right? And I think that this is very human, right? I think the first time I had to get up in here and speak, it was just like, oh my goodness, I can't do this, right? Or anything that God has asked you to do that feels so outside of your comfort zone. Anyone ever been there the first time you had to try something and it was just like, I'm not good enough to do this, but thank God they let me, you know, try. Or, and that's what we're here for, right? We want you to try. We want you to step out of your comfort zone. And what is God's reply? He says, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the people mute, deaf, or blind? Isn't it me? Don't worry about it, Moses. Just go. I will be your mouthpiece, and I will teach you what to say, right? So back at us one more time. When we're, we're having trouble accepting who we are, accepting how God has made us, he says, look, for every deficiency that you have, I am made strong, right? And every weakness that you have, I've got your back. That is part of us learning not only to trust him, but to accept what he's got for us. But then the final straw, Moses says in verse 13, but he said, Oh my Lord, please send by thy hand of whomever else you may send. <laughs> so he's basically like, actually, God, I know you can help me in every single way, but could you honestly just send this more talented person? You know, maybe my brother Aaron, he's much more, he's much more eloquent than I, right? So that's another part of it. We see everybody else's Instagram, everybody else's Facebook, and think, well, they could do a much better job than I can. God choose them. But guess what God did in reply to that one? The Bible says that God, he got mad. It says his anger was kindled against Moses. And he said, look, I know you have a brother. I'm going to send him too, but no more. You're going. Accept it. That's basically, basically in a short, that's what he said. And it's really, God, it, it really began to minister to me that, you know what? I got to get rid of the excuses. I have got to learn that, you know, this not necessarily not talking about sin. I'm not talking about all these things. But I'm saying God has made me the way he has made me, right? I, I can't draw. I can't do a ton of things. But what I can do, I want to do for God. And what we do have, he wants to use it for his glory. That is part of accepting the call. And then we get our eyes focused. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? I'm not looking at what they're doing. I'm not looking how good they're doing. I'm just focused on what your plan is for me. And I had to really work on that this year. It was really challenging, especially when COVID broke out and I had responsibilities with the youth district. Just being honest, I mean, when you find out that a convention you've been planning for a whole year is getting canceled, you're just like, God, why did you choose me for this time and purpose? This is 
the worst, right? I, I can't do this anymore. This is beyond what I can do. And I just remember God saying, accept what I have for you. Maybe, maybe you were called for such a time as this, for this particular season that you're in. And so I said, okay, God, I, I accept it. But, but man, I got quirks. Man, I got some issues. I'm not, I don't have it all together. And I just hear that God saying, accept the call that I have for you. Accept the call. We can, we can give a list of excuses miles long of every reason in the world why we should not be the one to do what God has called us to do, right? We can, I mean, I could go on and on and on. But I wanted to take an opportunity and, and just take five minutes, hopefully. I'll, I will rush through the end if I need to. But if Brother Grant, if you want to help me, I want you to pass out these little handouts. Just as a fun exercise. Oh, this one's mine. Sorry. Just as a fun exercise because um, looking at not only our personalities, but all of our personalities have some strengths and weaknesses. We all have things that we have to work on, and we all have things that we are naturally good at. You might, you might argue that you don't, but you do. So I'm going to give you about five minutes to fill out this questionnaire. It's not too complicated. And um, on it, there are 10 horizontal lines. This is not too complicated. Anybody can do it. Sorry, I didn't have pens for you, but hopefully you have a pen. Does anybody need a pen? Yes. With my personality type, I am not prepared often, so I don't know how to pin. Oh, <laughs> we will get you one. We will get you a pin. <laughs> okay, so it's pretty easy. There's ten horizontal lines with four words on each line in each column. Now, I know there's some personalities in here that don't like to read the directions. So, I'm going to read them for you. In each line, put the number four next to the word that best describes you. You don't need to overthink it. You don't need to overthink it. Just do the best word that you think describes you. And then I want you, um, and then a three next to the word that describes you next best. And a two to the next best word. And a one by the word that least describes you. On each horizontal line of words, you will then have four, three, two, and one. And then it gives you an example. You can do this. I'm going to set my timer for five minutes. It's not, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. That's a terrible idea. Okay. The first one is the first one is L. It stands for these all represent animals. Okay. Don't worry. The first one is the lion. If you could put up the lion. Their natural strengths are decisive, goal-oriented, achievement-driven, get results, independent, risk-taker, takes charge, takes initiative. Some of their natural weaknesses are up there on the board. Um, impatient, blunt, sometimes a poor listener, impulsive, demanding, those sort of things. Uh, they tend to have a fast-paced, task-oriented position. They're motivated by revolt, results, challenge, action, power. Um, like lions focus on now instead of distant future. They get a lot more done in a lot less time than their peers. They hate wasting time and like to get right to the point. They're great at initiating communication, not always good at listening. Impulsive, make quick decisions. 
Uh, the lion takes the man and becomes autocratic. The lion needs to see results, experience variety, and face new challenges. They need to solve problems and have direct answers. What the lion desires is freedom, authority, variety, difficult assignments, and opportunities for advancement. So we need lions. We need lions. We need people just like this. Okay, now again, like I said, if you have high in a couple of different categories, so say if you have, listen, if you have like uh, maybe 30 on one and 29 on another. And you're the animal kingdom. Yeah, animal kingdom. You can, after I go through the descriptions, you might be able to say, oh, this one's actually more like me, so you can choose. So you can have one at the end. Okay, the O. Everybody ready? I got 40 times. Oh, I forgot the O. Oh, we gotta have them stand up. Oh, wait, I, I am going to at the end. Once they decide. Um, <laughs> okay, O is otters. They're excitable, fun-seeking, cheerleader types who love to talk. They're great at motivating others and need to be in an environment where they can talk and have a vote on major decisions. The otters' outgoing nature makes them great networkers. They usually know a lot of people who know a lot of people. They can be very loving and encouraging unless under pressure when they tend to use their verbal skills to attack. They have a strong desire to be liked and enjoy being the center of attention. They are often very attentive to style. Otters are the life of any party and most people really enjoy being around them. Yes? I did my backwards. Natalie. You did your backwards? I think I did because Okay, Mom, you don't have to give all the attention. If you did it backwards, whatever one is lowest is your highest. Okay. So, yeah, so it's your, it's your, it's your, uh, if you did it backwards, then your lowest is the one that you are. Okay, so we, we. You can do a redo. We can do a redo. Okay, I'm going to go to G. Anyone want to guess what a G is? Wait. A giraffe. Nope. Nope. A kangaroo. Nope. A gator. A gator. It's a golden retriever. Yes. One word describes these people. They are loyal. They're so loyal, in fact, that they can absorb the most emotional pain and punishment in a relationship and still stay committed. They are great listeners, incredibly empathetic, warm encouragers. However, they tend to be such pleasers that they can have great difficulty being assertive in a situation or relationship when it's needed. They, um, they tend to be more slow-paced, people-oriented, motivated by desire for good relationships, appreciation of others. Golden Retrievers focus on the present and devote lots of time to helping others, building relationships, two-way communicator, quality relationships, security is important to them, consistent known environment, a relaxed and friendly environment, freedom to work at their own pace. That is the Golden Retriever. Last, but certainly not least, is the Beavers. Beavers have a strong need to do things right and buy the book. In fact, they are the kind of people who actually read instruction manuals. They are great at providing quality control in any office and will provide quality control in any situation or field that demands accuracy, such as accounting, engineering. Because rules, consistency, and high standards are so important to beavers, they often are frustrated with others who do not share these same characteristics. <laughs> Their strong need for maintaining high and oftentimes unrealistic standards can short-circuit their ability to express warmth in a relationship. They tend to be slow-paced, task-oriented. Um, they they're, they're motivated by the desire to be right and maintain quality. 
They like clearly defined tasks, stability, security, low risk, and tasks that require precision and planning. So here's my first question and the reason for our short assessment that is not bulletproof, by the way. It doesn't define who you are or anything, but it just leans into how God has made us so different. So if you are a lion, could you stand? Okay, we have some lions in here, yes. Yeah, like 72, baby. Yeah, some lions. Okay, awesome. What about some otters? I'm from otter. Otters? Is there any otters? Otter, Isaac. Isaac is an otter, too. Woo! Redo it. I'm going to an otter first, and then two under being otter. Okay, okay. What about a golden retriever? Maybe your parent only loved you when you did things good. 
you know, or, or maybe you only had someone really love you when you, you know, did things the right way. But the love of God is unconditional. And in 1 John 4, 7 through 11, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is of God, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And I think sometimes, you know, that first commandment, right? Love the Lord thy God with all our heart and love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think we can really get to that point until we learn how much God loves us, right? Just like we can't really learn to forgive until we recognize how much he has forgiven me. And sometimes I forget, you know, if I don't live, um, Lisa Turker, she's an author, she says, I live like someone who is loved. I live like someone who is loved. And I thought about that for a long time. And I think sometimes we, we get in a, in a rut and we start thinking, oh, man, yeah, I can't. I, I'm just all messed up. I don't have anything together. How could God love someone like me? But the truth is, is that we only love him because he first loved us. That um, he even demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were committing the sin, he died for us. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And um, I, I'm going to conclude. I just want to finish by reading this prophecy that was given by Sister Claudette Walker on October, October 29, 2020. And it just gave me so much encouragement about the time that we're living in and accepting that God has a purpose plan for his church and how much he loves us, which is why he's allowing us and trusting us to be his last day church. I mean, if you think about it, he's trusting you to be the last day church and that he loves you, believes in you. So this is the final uh, prophecy in closing. This is what God, the word of the Lord that God gave to Sister Claudette Walker. It said, my precious children, I would say unto you today that I understand that you do not understand. I feel your confusion. I feel your heaviness. You have cried out to me, but many of the things that you have asked of me, I have denied. I understand that this is difficult for you. My call unto you today, my children, is to trust me. I'm asking you to trust me. I have you in a spiritual gym. I'm adding weights to the barbell each day. This is not because I am an uncaring father, but because I am a loving father. I know how strong your spiritual muscles must be to endure these last days, so I add more weights to the barbell. Your faith muscles must exert and become stronger to fight and to stand in this day when the spirit of the Antichrist is exponentially increasing every day. The war is raging, my children, and I am preparing you to become victors. Do not despise the process that I am putting you through. I am causing you to lift heavy weights. Every time that you lift the weight and declare my word, in spite of how you feel, your faith in me grows. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, so I urge you to bathe yourself every day in my word. Cling to my word. 
Speak my word in spite of what you see and your faith will grow. You will not only make it through these last days, but you will be strong and will do exploits. I must not pamper you. I must not coddle you, but I must train you. My coming is nigh, even at the door. Yet before I come, there will be a great outpouring of my spirit. I am preparing you to bear the weight of my glory. Stand against these evil spirits that come against you, my children. Although I allow heaviness upon the inhabitants of the earth, this day I am raising you up, for I am training you. Now I ask you, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? The enemy is trying to sever your faith, for that is your lifeline to me. Whatever you must do, do not allow that to happen. Cling to my word. Cling to me like never before. I am requiring faith from you. When you walk in darkness, still trust in the light of my promises. Be patient, my children. I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that I am training you to stand and to trust in the process of my plan. If you will all stand with me. And uh, hopefully there's been a couple things in here that maybe we can each think about. Maybe accepting the sovereignty of God, accepting the call of God and who he's created you to be. And finally accepting the love of God. Why don't we just lift our hearts to him. Thank him. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to come to your house. I pray that you would bless every soul that is in this place, God. That you would do a work in them. That your word would, would be sown into their lives, God. Whatever we might be facing, Lord, help us to accept you to trust you to let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts, Lord. We magnify you tonight. Pray that you bring us here safely this Sunday. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much.